0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Bless us now, we pray, as we work and as we study together. Help us in all that we do to grow to be more like our Lord Jesus Christ in all that we think and in all that we say and in all that we do. For his name's sake we ask it. Amen. Well, last week I spent uh, a lot of time talking about the what I called the Catholic Articles of the Church of England. Those statements of faith which emphasize the continuity with the Church before the Reformation and the continuity with other Christian denominations. Uh, not just our own, but... Uh, other Protestant churches, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox churches, and so on. Today what I want to look at are the things which make Anglicanism distinctive, which make our own tradition, uh, as I say, somewhat different in certain respects at least from other types of Christianity. Now, we mustn't exaggerate this, uh, because what I'm going to say is uh, common uh, in many ways to uh, t- to all Christians, uh, you know they might express it differently. It's not so much the content of what I'm going to say as the way it is expressed and the order of priorities which it uh, which are given to the things uh, that uh, these statements of faith contain uh, that constitute the, d- the distinctiveness of Anglicanism. Uh, one of the boasts of Anglicanism if I can put it that way is that we are mere Christians. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity uh, and of course he was the leading Anglican. John Stott who was another Anglican uh, uh, minister in England wrote a book called Basic Christianity making the same point uh, and this is what the Anglican Church has always maintained that we don't have uh, doctrines or practices which are different uh, from those of other churches. We don't exclude other churches by by the things that we think, say, and do in our church. Uh, But what we do is we stick to the basics. We stick to the Uh, the the common denominators, as it were, uh, of the Christian world as far as we can, and try to be as comprehensive, that is the word that we use, um, of of everybody. So that everyone uh, who believes in Christ, everyone who uh, would call themselves a Christian, can find a home in our church. This doesn't mean to say that they will like everything they find, Uh, It doesn't mean to say that uh, they would not do other things uh, in addition to what uh, we would find or perhaps opt out of certain things that we do. Uh, But uh, if that is the case, it is because they have decided to do that, not because we have told them they can't come. Um, If I give you an example, uh, we don't exclude people from our church uh, if they don't believe uh, in baptizing babies don't believe in infant baptism so that somebody who is a Baptist who comes from a Baptist Church Baptist background is welcome to join with us in worship and to belong to our church if they wish Uh, you know we don't tell them they can't come they don't belong uh, there's no place for them we don't say that all right Uh, as long as they accept uh, that not everybody agrees with them uh, now, the reverse, of course, is not the case. Uh, I mean, I cannot go and join a Baptist church uh, without accepting their particular uh, view of baptism. And I would probably have to be baptized again. You know, um, I was once told by a Baptist friend of mine um, that only my forehead was going to heaven. Um, because that was the bit that was baptized. And I said, well, at least that's my brain. Um, (laughs) So, you know, maybe it's not as bad as all that. Uh, But you see what I mean? Other churches have a way of excluding people uh, in different uh, ways uh, that we don't, Uh, which doesn't mean to say, of course, that you can believe absolutely anything or nothing uh, and, and be at home in the Anglican Church. That's not what we're talking about. It's just that we try to be as, uh, as open and, and as comprehensive of the Gospel as a whole uh, to include people, as I say, even though they may have particular views about certain subjects, alright? Uh, they're allowed to hold those views as long as they don't uh, impose, try to impose them on others who might disagree. Well, what are the basics then? What are the things that bind us together? What are the the non-negotiable elements uh, that tie us together? And what I want to look at this morning, first of all, are the articles of religion that I call the Reformed Articles. That is to say, uh, those things which were stated and maintained uh, at the time of the Reformation as distinctive, uh, understanding of the way in which we under, we have received the gospel. Now the notes that I've, I've, I've got, that I'm just going to talk about briefly, they're actually in last week's uh, handout. So if you we were here last week and have that, uh, you'll have it. Uh, I have extra copies here if you want them afterwards, uh, but I'll get on to this week's handout in a minute, but just bear with me uh, for the time being. Because the first thing that we talk about is what we call the way of salvation. Christianity is a message of good news. It's a message of good news of salvation. You hear a lot about this. Jesus saves. But of course the question is salvation from what? What's wrong? Why do we need salvation? Why do we need a savior? Why do we talk in this way? And uh, the Anglican tradition is very clear about this. Uh, we say that we, we, we believe this, we need this, because of something which is called original sin. Now, original sin is not very often talked about. Um, I don't know when the last time was uh, that somebody in the pulpit of this church actually mentioned the word sin. I don't sit in the pulpit listening for it, uh, so I couldn't tell you, Uh, but I think it's probably true to say that it's not talked about as much as it probably ought to be. And the reason, of course, is that it's off-putting. I mean, people don't like to talk about negatives, and sin is negative. It's something clearly wrong, uh, and so we don't like to, to mention it if we can possibly avoid it. And yet, it is fundamental. Uh, those of you with a medical background or know very well that there's no point di- talking about curing people, there's no point talking about getting better, unless you have the right diagnosis. Uh, because if you don't diagnose what's wrong, then what you apply to heal, what you apply for, uh, as a cure, um, may actually kill the patient. You know, it's not necessarily going to work uh, because you aren't treating the, p- the, the disease uh, as it is. And so, whether, wh- while we don't like this, we don't like to uh, have to talk about it, it is fundamental, because until we understand what that is, uh, then we can't really go any further. What is original sin? Well, of course, if you look in the Bible, uh, you go back to Adam and Eve, the first human beings who uh, rebelled against God, all right? But it's important to realize that Adam and Eve didn't get up one morning in the Garden of Eden and say, Oh, it's pretty boring here, you know, what are we going to do today? Uh, Let's see if we can, uh, you know, disobey God and find out what happens if we do. It wasn't a decision that they took in that way. If you read the story, what you find in the story is there was a serpent in the garden, someone who came and tempted them, tempted them away from obedience to God, and what did he say to them? He said, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, You will become like God. In other words, what the serpent did was he offered them something attractive. He offered them something that sounded good. And in some ways, of course, it was good. I mean, who wouldn't like to be like God? Isn't that part of the message that we proclaim? God says, be holy even as I am holy. Uh, Jesus said, be imitators of me. Uh, You know, follow me, do what I say so surely this is a good thing well of course it is a good thing in a way but it has to be done in the right way because if we are going to be like god we have to do what he says we have to obey him and god had told adam and eve don't touch that fruit don't touch that tree and so that was Uh, What he expected of them and they disobeyed Now when they received the 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 knowledge of good and evil when they when they got that uh, What does it say you read the story in Genesis? Uh, God turns to his angels and he says Look the man has become like one of us Knowing good from evil in other words what the serpent had uh, promised happened uh, in a way, you see, or it half happened. They had the knowledge of good and evil, but what they didn't have was eternal life. And of course, if you don't have eternal life, well, you can't be like God. Uh, and so God says, Right, well, they've got the knowledge of good and evil, so they've become like me in this way, but I must cut them off from eternal life because otherwise. Uh, you know, they'll just live forever, and they'll be, they'll be like us in, in, in a way, uh, you know, that, that we can't tolerate, we can't allow for that. And so, uh, God expels them from the Garden uh, of Eden, uh, and says, you will, uh, you will suffer for the wrong that you have done, but I will save you in the end. I will censor, I will deal with this you see, at at some point in the future. So you have hope, you have a promise uh, that this will not be the final word. You are not going to be excluded and expelled forever. But this is the situation that every human being finds himself in. Nobody comes into the world sinless. Now, this is an important thing to grasp because a lot of people don't get this. Um, A lot of people think that little babies when they come into the world are innocent. And the reason they think this is because they have a wrong, well they have an inadequate idea of sin. You see, if you think of sin as things that you do, actions, then of course a, a newborn baby hasn't sinned in that sense. They haven't done anything. Uh, So, uh, you know, they can't really be accused of of sin in, in that way. But what you do is the fruit of what you are. You see, it's who and what you are that determines what you are going to do. And this goes right the way through the Bible. It's absolutely everywhere. It's a very important point to bear in mind because when the Apostle Paul writes to Christians in the early church, he calls them saints. You know, He says he writes to the saints at Ephesus or the saints in Corinth or whatever church he's writing to. And then he starts telling them off Uh, You know, uh, and you think, well, if they're saints, why is he telling them (coughs) off? Uh, Well, because they're not living according to what they should be doing, you see. Uh, They are saints because they've been chosen and set apart by God, uh, you know, for his purposes, but they're not living it out in, in practice. In other words, they're betraying their own inheritance. They're they're squandering uh, the the gospel message which has been given to them, and so therefore they have to uh, be put right. And Paul's whole message is, what you do should reflect who and what you are. Same reason, why is it that Jesus uh, came to die on the cross for our sins? Because of who he was and who he is. You see, I could be crucified, and you could be crucified um, if somebody, you know, decided they wanted to do that, uh, but it wouldn't make any difference. I mean, I can't save the world uh, by being crucified. Why not? Because I'm not God. You see, I'm not God in human flesh. I'm not the right person to do that sort of thing. And if I think I am, then I'm fooling myself. You see, I can't do that. So, it's a, it depends on who you are, what you are, as uh, to wh- whether what you do ha- has a certain effect or not. You see what I mean? What you are comes first, what you do comes second. Now, getting back to the cult business of sin, what you do reflects who and what you are. And who and what we are is that we are cut off from God. Uh, We are uh, separated from God because there is something in us that has rebelled against Him. Now, I don't know why that is so. You know, uh, I don't know uh, why, even when somebody tells me what the right thing to do is. That I don't actually do it. Indeed, the Apostle Paul deals with this, and when he writes in, the, in his letter to the Romans, he says this He says, The good that I, I, I know I should be doing, I know I should be doing this, I'm not actually doing it. Why not? Because there's something in me uh, that says no, you know. God sent the law, he sent the law into the world. He told people the Ten Commandments, they're there, uh, you know, and, uh, and all the other things that go with it. He said, you know, the, we know what the truth is, but we just don't obey it, we don't do it. In fact, knowing the law, receiving the, the, the message, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, puts those thoughts into our mind. This is what Paul says, you see. He said, uh, you know, until I found out that I shouldn't be doing these things, I never thought about it. It never crossed my mind. You know, why would I bother? It's only when somebody told me I shouldn't do it uh, that I suddenly felt the urge to do it. Now, of course, you're going to tell me that's not, that you're not like that. (laughs) 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 I'm just going to say to you, do you drive? you know, driving is one of the most sinful things you can do? <laughs> it is. Because if you say to yourself, you know, I never have a bad thought about another person. <laughs> that's because you've never been behind the wheel of a car with other people on the road. Have you ever noticed you're the only person who knows how to drive right? <laughs> and that everybody else is a complete idiot? And Why on earth do they have a license? Where are the police when they're needed? You know take them off the road When I first came to the United States I got totally mystified by initials That I saw in different places you see uh, on signs you don't realize this because you're brought up with it, but it took me forever to work out what a pedexing was. <laughs> I thought, what on earth is that? You know, <laughs> sort of. One day I kind of said, oh, pedestrian crossing. Well, why don't they say that? <laughs> you know, how would they expect people to know? Or DUI was another one. I th- I thought it was a government department. Department of <laughs> Unemployment Insurance or something, and you know wh- what's going on here. I didn't know what it was, you know, and but one day I, I walked, I mean, walked into the classroom and I, I was puzzled by all of this, and I said, you know, I said living here in Birmingham, I said I've suddenly had a revelation. I said I've worked out what the initials mean. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you see these hexagonal red signs everywhere with S-T-O-P on it. I've worked it out. S-T-O-P means step twice on pedal. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what people do. You know, they see this sign, boom, there we go. Um, and, uh, and there you are, you see. So the law is there. The law is there to tell you what you should do, but in your mind, you think, how can I get round that? How can I beat that? You know, um, what's the loophole? How can I figure this out? And this is something which is endemic in the human race. I mean, everybody, one way or another, is like this. This is what happened in the New Testament. What was wrong with the Pharisees and the, the, you know, the Jewish leaders who attacked Jesus? It wasn't that they were bad people, they were good people. Uh, But they had had the law and they'd sort of configured the law to make it something that they could keep. You see, so it said something, honor thy father and mother. So, okay, how are we going to do that? Well, we're certainly not going to have them in the house you know that uh, actually look after them uh, no way um, you know that's a recipe for disaster uh, so we'll pay a little uh, tax to the, the, the temple uh, you know and they can look after them um, and that was called Corban you know there was this thing that they gave uh, to the temple and that kind of you could tick the box and say well that's what I'm doing and of course Jesus would come along and say that's not right You see, uh, and he said, you'd heard Moses would say to you, thou shalt not kill. And of course, I mean, you haven't killed anybody. I mean, I'm sure if I asked around this room, hands up, anybody who's actually killed somebody, nobody would put their hand up. Well, this is Alabama, so you have to be a little careful about this, (laughs) I know. But but it's probably not true. You know that you, you probably haven't killed people. But... Jesus, well, this, is, I'm, this is Jesus now. It's not me talking. He said, if you've had a bad thought in your heart about another person, and again, think of driving, um, you've killed them already, you see, um, because it's gone into your mind. You've had this thing. It's something in the mind. And it's because there's this thing in the mind that's there that we cannot get rid of. I mean, I don't get up in the morning, you know, I think to myself now how am I going to sin today I really don't think that and I'm sure you don't think that either but these thoughts come into the mind whether we want them to or not because that's the way we are and it's because of this that doing good things doesn't solve the problem Just as doing bad things is the fruit, uh, is the result of this thing, this evil that's in us. You see, it's it's not the bad things that we do that cause us to fail. It's something inside that prompts those bad things to happen in the first place. So, doing something good in, in response isn't going to cure the problem either. It's not a case of what you do, it's a case of what you are. And who you are, and this is why the only way you can get out of this problem, the only way you can solve it, even begin to solve it, is by faith in Christ. Uh, This is what theologians call justification. It's a big, long word, and uh, and so on. And I don't want to go get people all confused about this, but. We can, we, we can talk to God. We can stand in the presence of God. We can uh, be set free from this burden that we carry I- inside if we believe in Christ. Why? Because he came into the world in order to, to uh, suffer and die for us on our behalf. In other words, the price that I would have to pay for the sin that I have committed, he has paid for me. You see, that's what his death, uh, what his crucifixion uh, is all about. But the crucifixion isn't the whole story. Of course, the crucifixion is followed by the resurrection. These two things go together. And we don't just say, uh, well, you know, Jesus paid the price for my sin, he died, and so on. That's true. But he also rose again from the dead, in order to give us a new life. And this is what we believe, you see. We believe uh, that when we are united with him, when we are joined with him in his death and in his resurrection. Because you can't be joined with him just in his death. You have to be joined in his death and in his resurrection then you are born again, to use the the New Testament term, into a new life. And that new life is totally dependent on Him. We live on a life-support machine, a spiritual life-support machine, which is attached to Jesus. And how does this work? It works because He puts His Holy Spirit into our hearts uh, and we, uh, we have in our hearts and in our minds the presence of God telling us how to live, giving us the strength uh, to do uh, what we would not be able to do by ourselves, and forgiving us when we fail. And this is the, 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 the essence of the, of the teaching that we have in our church. W- what is baptism? What is the Lord's Supper? Why, are we, why do we do these things, you see? Why do we put communion uh, at the center? What is communion? Communion is a sharing, a reminding of, a reminder of the death of Christ for us. When I take that bread, when I take that cup, uh, wine, I am taking into myself the body of Christ which was broken for me. I'm taking uh, into myself the blood of Christ, which was shed for me, you see, and I'm letting them go down into my heart, into my soul, into the depths of my being, into parts of me that I've never seen. You see, you think about this for a minute. How much do we actually know about ourselves? Very little. The things that keep us alive, our heart, our, our lungs, our stomachs, we 've never actually seen. you know you think about that we 've got them, we feel them, we know they 're there, but we 've never seen them. Uh, you know we carry them around uh, inside us, and without them, of course we wouldn 't live but when we come to the table of the Lord the communion of the Lord we are taking this into ourselves this is why it's so central to our worship uh, to our life you see it's not just a pretty ceremony Uh, it's something which speaks to us at a depth uh, that goes beyond what we can see and what we can understand why because what's wrong with us goes beyond what we can see And what we can understand you see God gets right to the heart of us of who we are of what we are and he wants to put us right (coughs) in that way and this is what we believe now it's very important because a lot of people will say well you know I've lived a good life when I get to the pearly gates I, I think St. Peter will just you know kind of let me in we'll see how it goes uh, when, when we get there this is entirely the wrong way to look at it because you cannot save yourself by your good works by your good deeds you know uh, you can't because that's not what's basically wrong as I've just said it's not what you do it's who and what you are and you can only plead before God and we do this every Sunday uh, to have mercy on us you know we are the ones who need his mercy we need his grace uh, we need uh, to be drawn closer to him and only he can do this as we submit ourselves to him this is why uh, uh, the, the church, uh, our church insists so much that it is by faith and by faith alone, by that connection, by that link uh, that we have with him, uh, that we are saved and not by our works. Now getting on to what uh, I've put uh, out for you today, um, you look at the, the, the paper in front of you, The the, uh, articles uh, of religion go on to talk about the church, the ministry, and the sacraments. These things go together. First of all, we believe that the church is a gathering of people where the word of God is faithfully preached and where the sacraments are rightly administered. This is the phrase that we use. Now, this is an aspiration, this is an ideal, this is what it should be. The reality often falls short of this. Particularly in the preaching of the Word of God, you don't always get, you know, what you pay for, shall we say. Sometimes you do, we hope you do, we want you to, Uh, but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes the sacraments are ignored uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know. Um, But what we have in our church and what is I think so important is that we have the Book of Common Prayer and this and we have the Bible and these things keep us if you like going in the right way because we can go to church on a Sunday, and even if the preacher just leaves us cold, you know, that sometimes happens. Um, and even if the, you know, the whole thing is just like not really what we want, we've got in front of us the teaching which is there and which serves as a protection, it serves as, a, as an undergirding remind us and this is ha- this happens to me I mean uh, many times I go to church and I don't get anything out of out of the preaching no idea what the preacher is saying um, but uh, I can follow it from uh, from the prayer book uh, you see the prayers that we pray and the great thing about the Anglican Church is that we pray the prayers it's not just the priest who prays them but you and I pray them, you know. uh, We're involved and as we we read these and as they sink in over the years uh, then um, you know it, it, it changes us it touches our minds. Very important thing and this is where the Word of God is faithfully preached and the sacraments are rightly administered. This is why people get so upset when these things get changed you see I get upset Uh, don't ever sit next to me in church because when we come to read things the prayers and so on I read them the way I learned them as a child the old style you know somebody's fiddled around with the words um, and 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 so on and I mean that's up to them you know I mean they want to speak a foreign language who am I <laughs> to tell them they shouldn't they shouldn't do this but who are they to tell me that I've got to do what they want um, you know so I don't so I just you know do my own thing I seceded from the church you see sitting in the pew um, uh, in this way uh, the same with hymns you know, people. There's somebody who goes around changing the words of him. I'm convinced there's a special room in hell for those people. Um, <laughs> you know, because because they just throw everybody off, don't they? I mean, you, you you learn it when you 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 learn it one way as a child, and 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 you grow up with this and so on, and then some somebody changes it because they think you don't understand. You know w- w- what it's saying, and you're just completely lost well I am sorry I just sing what I know know to be the words and if they've changed it well you know that's up to them Um, I'm not trying to be to to be unkind here because other people have you know learned things in their own way and so on and uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that with the liturgy that we have and the way that this works uh, in our church is that you learn it over time it sinks in. Uh, I mean after years of, of doing things, every time I go to church, every time I go through the, the morning prayer or Holy Communion or whatever it is, something fresh strikes me. Something that I've said all my life hits me with a new, with a new freshness. It's some, something that, uh, you know, I, I, I suddenly think, oh yes, there's an, there's an element there, there's an aspect of this that I hadn't really thought about before. And this is what is known as, this is going deep into the teaching, deep into the confession of faith that we have. You see, it's not just endless repetition. It's something that, uh, that you learn and that, you, that becomes part of you. I look at, look at this, if I have to take an, an analogy, look at something like um, figure skaters. Figure skating, my favorite. But I mean, you can have acrobats or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You watch them, and th- you know, they, they sort of float around and they do it so gracefully. And it's so beautiful, you know, and you think, oh my goodness, I mean it's so light and airy and 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 it seems to be natural but in my heart of hearts I know that if I put on a pair of ice skates and try to do that it's going to be another story why because those people have practiced and practiced and practiced you see those people have learned the, 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 the routine so well that it seems to come spontaneously. You know, they look as if they're doing it naturally, but you know they're not. And I mean, it's true of everything, it's true of ballet, it's true of, of, of anything, anything like that. Uh, you know, the really good people Are the ones who have so mastered the technique that you think they were they were born they came out of the womb like that you know it's it seems so natural and this is what we aim for in our church this is what we aim for in our worship you see this is the purpose of it this is why we have what we have uh, that it will become so much a part of you uh, that it seems to be natural this is what growing in Christ is like, all right? Uh, it's something which, be, which changes your mind. It's something which governs your thinking. Uh, it's something which uh, you may not even be very conscious of a lot of the time, you know. It may, it may not be something you're deliberately thinking of, but it's something because you've absorbed it over the years. It's like the language you speak. Uh, You know, you you can't explain sometimes, you know, why you say things the way you do. Uh, But you know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, You know what's right and what's wrong because that's the way you've learned it. All right, Uh, And it speaks to you uh, in that way and you build on it. And the great thing is, of course, the longer you live, the more you build on it, the deeper you go, into its inner meaning. And this is what our Anglican tradition tries to emphasize, you see. It doesn't go around arguing about things with other churches or, 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 the, or you know, causing problems like that. We're not, we're not interested in this, you see. We're interested in getting closer to God. And you can look at the notes that I've given you and you'll see how it goes through each uh, step of the way. Uh, how it affects uh, the different uh, aspects of our life, all right? Uh, but uh, we want uh, a ministry, we want people, to, our preachers and teachers, uh, to remind us of this, to draw us closer to this. We want our sacraments uh, so that we uh, can live this out uh, in uh, our knowledge uh, of Christ and in our, uh, our experience of God. I've come to the end of my time. I've got to stop here now. I could go on and on uh, about this um, uh, but I'll just uh, leave you with one little story uh, which uh, I use sometimes to talk about this and how it works. Is there any other way that this could be done? Do we have to follow the particular way that we have been given? Theoretically, no. But let me tell you a story. Years ago, I was sitting in a cafe with a Dutchman who spoke perfect English. I mean, beautiful English, no accent, nothing like that, you know, he, he, he just got it uh, But I knew he wasn't English, I mean, I knew he was Dutch. But I thought he must have been brought up in some English-speaking place, um, <coughs> you know, to speak English as well as he did. And I was just listening to him, uh, you know, to see whether anything I could detect in his voice or in what he said uh, that would prove to me that he wasn't English. And at some point he said, you see that hotel over there? And I said, yes. He said, that's a very exclusive hotel. And I said, is it really? He said, yes. He said, it's not just for any Harry, Dick or Tom. And I banged my head, uh, I got you. (laughs) I said, now I know that you're not English. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because if you were English, you would say Tom, Dick and Harry. And he looked at me and he said, why? (laughs) Uh, And I said, I have no idea. (laughs) And he said, Do Americans say Harry, Dick or Tom? I said, no, they don't. They say Tom, Dick and Harry as well. And of course, being Dutch, you know, being a pain in the neck, he said, so who were Tom, Dick and Harry? Uh, I said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who they were. I said, as far as I'm concerned, you could say Elizabeth, Mary and Jane if you wanted to. I said, but that's just not the way we talk. I said, and what's more, I said, if you say Harry, Dick, and Tom, I mean, you're not wrong in a way, um, but you're not right either <laughs> because that's not the way we speak, you see, and you'll give yourself away if you say that. Uh, you know, people will realize that you don't really know what you're talking about. And this is the thing, you see, uh, that when uh, we, we study our liturgy and so on yes, theoretically, there, would be, there might be another way of doing it you know, we, we don't claim to be infallible or that this is the only thing you could ever do but what we're saying is this is the way we have received it this is the way it has, has, has come to us Father, Son and Holy Spirit not Holy Spirit, Son and Father why? Well, that's the way it's come to us, all right? That's the way we've been given. And it's as you grow in that, you grow in that tradition, you grow in that understanding, uh, that uh, you become a native, uh, a native of the kingdom of heaven. And on that happy note, I'm going to let you go. Thanks. (coughs)